Welcome everyone to Fraternity's second annual Halloween special, where we talk about a Halloween movie. <laughs> I'm your little brother Danny, and I'm here with my big brother Sean. Amazing Grace, come sit on my face. <laughs> What's going on everyone? Happy Halloween to everyone. Uh, you're listening to this on Halloween night. That's awesome. <laughs> I hope so. But uh, we hope you're having a wonderful Halloween. We know we're going to have a great Halloween. And we're going to make your Halloween a little bit sp more special by uh, giving you some spooks and some scares and talking about horror films. I feel like I should have a bowl of candy corn with me right now. <laughs> I know we've already debated candy corn, but it just feels right. Yeah, well, I been munching on some candy myself so definitely putting on the pounds this year well as it's our second annual halloween special what movie are we talking about tonight danny well last year we did halloween so it only makes sense to do halloween 2 halloween 2 man i gotta say this movie really got me thinking you know there are a lot of things in this world that you can say are made for, or let's say aimed at children, but plenty of adults like it too, whether it's cartoons, toys, video games, movies, you name it. Whether it's made for kids or not, people of all ages can like it, but rarely is there something that exists exclusively for adults that we openly invite kids to partake in. Because for the most part, it would be inappropriate, and it would possibly carry a fine, or even a minimum sentence, maybe? <laughs> the exception is horror movies. Children are often welcomed into the world of horror movies. And I'm not trying to make a blanket statement. Of course, there are exceptions. I'm sure some of you listening now didn't get to watch horror movies when you were really young, and I'm sorry. But a lot of us did. And the fact of the matter is, we all know what a thrilling adrenaline rush it is to be scared. And we also know, thanks to the benefit of being children once ourselves, is that the best opportunity to experience those thrills at the peak of their effectiveness is during childhood. So of course we invite the children in our orbit to come watch that R-rated horror movie with us that's sure to contain some murders, curse words, and maybe even a boob or two. Because again, we know it's fake, and we know what a thrill it is not only to scare, but to be scared. As long as nobody pisses their pants. I think it's easy to forget that often horror is best viewed with a childlike mind. And I don't want anyone to think I'm saying this to excuse a bad movie. I'm sure even kids can think a movie sucks. But look, we're all adults now. And now we live in the age of social media. So we're all film critics, for better and for worse. But I just couldn't help but think about my love for Halloween 2 when I was a kid. When you're a kid, you're not concerned with how or why a film got made. 
you're not concerned with a lot of things we get caught up in nowadays. And Halloween 2 is an especially good example because this is the rare sequel that picks up literally where the first movie leaves off. Very rarely do you see a horror sequel pick up this directly after the previous film. And even if it does, it usually picks up with a brand new set of characters. And so as a kid, you're sitting there thinking, more of the night he came home? Holy shit, there's more story? There's more movie? Fuck yeah! As a kid, you're not sitting there thinking, but is this a good movie? Did John Carpenter really want to write this? It took four years to make this? All you know is Dr. Loomis shot Michael six times and the son of a bitch got up and walked away. And now we're going to figure out what the hell happens next. You're going to get to see more Michael Myers, more murder and mayhem, never mind how pointless or mindless it is, that doesn't even cross your mind. You're going to get to spend more time with Dr. Loomis. And last but not least, you're going to find out if your favorite babysitter, Lori Strode, does indeed survive the ongoing night that he came home. I can't remember the first time I saw this movie. It's one of those movies that feels like it's just always been a part of my life. I've loved it forever. It's just one of my favorite movies just to watch. I loved how it continued the story. I loved the setting. And I definitely loved the portrayal of Michael Myers. And I just can't wait to discuss it with you. Because this movie, single-handedly, is responsible for reorienting my focus back on the passion that is my lifelong obsession with horror. I've talked before about how I walked away from collecting movies and pretty much walked away from watching horror around 2010. But when I found the Scream Factory release of Halloween 2 in 2013, it was a purchase that I couldn't resist. And if that moment doesn't happen, who knows if or when I discover the modern boutique labels? Who knows if my obsession and passion for horror is ever reignited? All I know is, if I don't happen upon that copy of Halloween 2 in Barnes & Noble in early 2013, there's a very good chance that I'm not here doing what I'm doing with you right now. So, I owe a lot to this movie, so let's talk about it. Right on, let's get right into it on this very special Halloween episode. But I just wanted to say the number one place to follow everything that Fraternity is doing is on Twitter. So go over there, give us a like, give us a follow, give us some retweets, and spread the Fraternity message all across the internet. And if you have any questions, comments, anything at all, you can email us at Fraternity at gmail.com. That's Fraternity at gmail.com. We'd love to open a dialogue with you. and. That's all I got. Let's go, Sean. So we start at the end of the first Halloween. And why not, right? Like, with a finale that good, you might as well show it twice. Yeah. Uh, picking up where you were saying, like, how cool it is that the movie just takes place directly after the first one. I always love when a sequel is able to do that. 
and there's really no time skip at all. It's just, all right, here's more of what's going on. And sometimes it works great, and sometimes it doesn't and feels a little unnecessary. But we'll see how Halloween 2, which category it fits in. Yeah, I think it blends together pretty seamlessly. And we get it here as Dr. Loomis runs outside. And we confirm that he isn't the worst shot in cinematic history because he does find blood in the grass. Now, he may not have shot him six times, but he definitely shot him. You know, like, let your... I shot him six times! (laughs) (laughs) Let your own personal headcanon do with it what you will. Did Michael take six slugs? Or maybe a few? I don't know. But... Dr. Loomis informs this curious neighbor to call the police, but this guy wants to make sure this isn't a prank because he's been trick-or-treated to death tonight. And then Dr. Loomis informs him that he doesn't know what death is. And with that, we're off and running with Halloween 2. And we immediately get the pumpkin credits. Only this time, the pumpkin breaks apart to reveal a skull. Why? I don't know, but skulls are cool, dude. Because it looks cool. I mean, you can never (laughs) top that original pumpkin, but this one is just cool in itself, just revealing that that skull. Yeah, I, I really like it. I think it's cool and looks really good. After the credits, we get this scene that the 2018 Halloween had a single take sequence that I think was heavily inspired by this, where we get a lot of POV of Michael Myers stalking around the back alleys of Haddonfield. But there's some really good stuff here, like when he notices Dr. Loomis and Sheriff Brackett in the distance. And then we do get our first look at Michael in this movie, when he sneaks into the house of the elderly couple and steals the knife out of their kitchen. And we can see that the events of the night are starting to get the attention of the media. But then we get one of the most random acts of violence in early franchise history. When Michael Myers sneaks into the house of a young teenage girl named Alice and just kills her without reason or remorse. And I thought it was kind of funny to call this bit a random act of violence because last year we talked a lot about the profile of Michael Myers and the differences between chance and fate. And you could really say that the entire first movie is one long random act of violence. But as a whole, it suddenly feels more purposeful, especially when compared to what we witness here. And on top of that, this movie is going to introduce elements that will turn the previous chance encounter with the boogeyman into that of one that aligns far more with the concept of fate. But I'd argue that this kill does establish a lot for us. Like, for starters, we're clearly going to be spending more time with Michael Myers. He is now the star of the show. We're also going to see blood. Not a lot, but there was so little in the first movie that just this bit of splatter on her neck definitely signifies the more general slasher direction this entry's taking. We're also going to be seeing Michael's eyes, which I have to admit, I found a bit jarring because I haven't watched this one in a long time and I almost forgot how prevalent his eyes are in this. 
it's especially jarring coming off of the recent David Gordon Green trilogy because that seemed to emphasize that pitch black eyeless look with the mask, which I definitely prefer. And that look does get some shining moments here, but we do see his eyes an awful lot. What did you think about that? Yeah, it's definitely jarring and a little weird. I don't dislike it, but I think I'll always prefer the look of Michael in the original. But I do like how he looks in this film, especially watching his eyes. And then, you know, you get nice payoff when he ends up blind in the finale. So it all works out, but it's it's definitely weird. <laughs> and the mask just looks off, you know. I think this series has a <laughs> a thing with like never getting the mask right, but I'm pretty sure this is the same mask from the original. But I, I guess time just wasn't well to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely doesn't look like an exact replica, and the hair looks a little different. I definitely think this movie defines the Michael Myers that most of us know and love. As far as still photography goes, though, like there's no touching the original. But in motion and on screen, I think this one shines pretty bright. I mean, Michael does walk pretty damn gingerly, but he was shot <laughs> six times. You'd be walking slow, too, right? Right. So Lori winds up getting taken to the hospital whose only other patient is the notorious kid who got a razor blade stuck in his mouth. Good reminder to always check your candy. But Lori gets stitched up and sedated, so she's going to be out of commission for most of the movie from here on out. But now we have a hospital full of nurses and a couple ambulance drivers to play with. And you know, Lori may be sidelined, but Loomis is more unhinged than ever before in this one. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things I found so strange in David Gordon Green's trilogy was how many deaths or acts of violence occurred that weren't done by Michael Myers. But I guess that trend started here when Dr. Loomis and Sheriff Brackett frighten off a drunk Ben Tramer who just so happens to share an oddly similar costume to Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah, but this one has uh, silver hair. <laughs> Can you imagine if that's the Michael we actually got? <laughs> I wish it was. That'd be hilarious. I just love the way he, he walks away <laughs> and then just gets utterly destroyed between that van and the cop car. <laughs> yeah, he gets pulverized, dude, and then just goes up in that massive fireball and winds up burning to death, so... Rest in peace to Ben Tramer, who <laughs> is the first victim of Michael Myers that can't be directly attributed to Michael Myers, so... I guess it's a good red hearing. We need uh, something for Loomis to do, right? <laughs> I love they're just staring at Ben Tramer's burning corpse like, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> is it him? <laughs> Loomis was so sure, but then once there's a burning corpse, he's like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, shortly after this, Brackett's going to get sidelined because he learns of Annie's murder. And I got to say, this new deputy really delivers a good emotional bit here when he tells, it was Annie. 
<laughs> what? I really liked that acting there. Yeah, it was good. It's tough to pull off uh, scenes about the loss of a loved one and learning the bad news, but this was a good one for sure. Yeah, I also think it was smart to sideline Bracket because when you saddle Loomis up with this deputy, it gives him the opportunity to just deliver those great, outrageous monologues to someone who hasn't heard them yet. Because we need to hear them again, you know? Yeah, I think my favorite part in Halloween 2 is just how much more we get of Dr. Loomis and Donald Pleasance does such a great job at delivering those monologues and bordering on, like, crazy or is he right you know (laughs) yeah like i said he is completely unhinged in this one (laughs) (laughs) after all that we get a scene that introduces our goods delivering babe of a nurse nurse karen i think her name is but there's also this kid listening to a boom box on his shoulder and this is how michael hears about Lori being at the hospital Which is interesting because, why don't we go ahead and spoil it here. This is the movie that introduces the whole Laurie Strode is actually Michael Myers' sister angle. Which, if you think about it, is completely unnecessary. It does completely change the dynamic. Especially in regards to that concept of chance versus fate that we discussed so much last year. But there's really no reason they couldn't have just had this scene here where he overhears that Lori was taken to the hospital, which I assume he would assume anyway. And then why wouldn't he go finish her off? He was stalking her the whole first movie. I mean, it makes complete sense, even if you strip out the sister angle. But regardless, what are your thoughts on this addition to the series? Well, I think you use the perfect word, which is unnecessary. And I don't even have a problem with the twist itself. Like, I love stupid twists. Like, that's not a thing that bothers me as much as it does most people. But I think where the movie really falters is I feel like they use the twist to get Loomis back on track to meet up with Laurie in the end. Like, And I feel like overall the script feels really sloppy and all over the place and not really well thought out. So that's my problem with it. Like it doesn't, I think you could totally write Laurie being Michael's sister and make it work. But for me, it just doesn't work. And I think it's like a script problem as a whole. Well, you know, what's funny. I love that you pointed out that The only way it does service the plot is to get Loomis to the hospital. Because Lori never finds this information out. There's never a moment where she's told. That's the thing, too, is she does not ever realize. Like, she has that dream, and I guess, like, deep down she knows. But then that just makes her character kind of, like, that just opens more questions than answers. You know what I mean? And it just makes Lori's character more confusing. and. We never really have any resolution there. And then she has that moment of like understanding at the end where she's like, Michael, you know, trying to like get him to stop. But then it's just like, ah, fuck it. Who cares? You know? So I think this movie would work just as good, probably better without the twist. But at the same time, like, I feel like 
it's a mess in and of itself and that the twist doesn't really detract it it isn't really the main detractor for me in the grand scheme of things i don't think the twist really matters at this point because we've seen it continued we've seen it retconned you name it it's it's happened right and i'm glad you brought up the dream because I always forget that scene exists. <laughs> like, but we do see a young Michael sitting in the Institute in a weird dream sequence. And that always drops from my memory. I, I was like, oh, shit, I totally forgot this was here. <laughs> yeah, it's just like never followed up on again or brought up. And it's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> so I don't blame you for forgetting every single time that that's there. Yeah, really, the only important thing here is Michael is now at the hospital. The phone lines are down. And we're about to get some meaty slasher goodness for the next hour of the movie. And it all starts with Mr. Garrett. And I will say, it's kind of impressive how they've managed to squeeze every slasher character trope into a hospital staff. Because you've got the bumbling security guard, the airhead, the good girl the promiscuous girl, the bitch, the fool, the sleazy douchebag, and the nice guy. They're all there. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about how you said the original Halloween was the blueprint for the slasher, but I feel like Halloween 2 is like that formula reduced down to its like elements and like is a form of perfection, but it also like loses some intrigue, if you understand what I'm saying, like when it gets boiled down to that. The stuff at the hospital, like, I feel like it should amount to more than it does. And I never really find myself that excited watching the film, especially during the hospital parts. I feel like they should be better and using the set piece to its advantages. And all I really get is like Michael kind of fucking around with like scapels and needles and shit. And we get more <laughs> blood and gore, which is cool. But I definitely see all the elements of the modern slasher here. But for some reason, like it isn't as good. Like it's less than the sum of its parts. I think the thing you have to take into account, too, is after Halloween, the slasher film just exploded, right? There were imitators and duplicators everywhere. Right. Just from 1979 to 1980, there's countless slashers. The franchises were even starting with Friday the 13th beating Halloween to the jump with having a sequel. And so this is a case where you see the originator become the imitator. You know, but you already know my favorite genre or subgenre is the slasher. So I think they got it right. You know, like I said, when you're a kid, you don't care about all that shit we're talking about. <laughs> all you know is fucking Halloween 2, Michael Myers, let's go. You know? Yeah, you're just like, more Michael Myers, more killing. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's all you care about, which is fine. Like, no problem with that. But, uh, yeah. The originality has been stripped away. I think right. that's what it boils down to where they were like, money is to be made. We need to 
we're already late to the party. Let's get Halloween 2 in the fucking can, you know? Yeah, and like you said, John Carpenter even want to do this? Probably not, but it's like, fuck it. If they're going to beg, might as well do it. (laughs) Get drunk, write the script. (laughs) I could have sworn I read a quote or have heard a quote of John Carpenter saying, I got a six pack and just hammered it out. (laughs) So you're not far off. (laughs) You know, speaking of instruments of death, uh, we get the security guard, Mr. Garrett, taking a pretty nasty hammer blow to the top of the head. What do you think of that? Yeah, it's a nice spike (laughs) into a skull. I will say it's kind of hard to not blame this nurse. Her name is Janet for the massacre that's about to transpire because (laughs) Mr. Garrett asked her to assist him. And after she fumbled with the radio, she just walks off and never (laughs) thinks to tell anybody and never thinks to check to see if Mr. Garrett ever even makes it back. So some some (laughs) of this is on her. I'm just saying it now. Definitely. She just said, fuck this. I'm going home. (laughs) Hey, and you can, you know, point out this movie's uh, faults all you want, but we also get that scene with the mob of Haddonfield townies trashing the Myers house, and they're not quite chanting evil dies tonight, but it is there. They are. And Dr. Loomis says some really goofy shit about it, too. Like, (laughs) I love it, though. The only reason I want to bring that scene up, though, is it's kind of hard to understand how anyone could watch that scene in Halloween 2 and go, let's make a whole movie based around that. Yeah, it is a bit weird to kind of grasp at that and write your whole movie. We're looking at you, (laughs) Halloween kills. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. You know what, though? Let's let's put that all aside and let's talk about. Some hot tub hijinks between <laughs> Sleazebag Bud and the Busty Karen. Dude, hydrotherapy my ass. This is a jacuzzi sex scene, all right? <laughs> if this scene doesn't tell you what level of a mindless slasher this is, nothing will. And I say that as a term of endearment because I love mindless slashers. <laughs> and this franchise. Is it known for a whole lot of nudity? PJ Souls did deliver some goodies in the first movie, but this nurse has been smuggling some pumpkins under that gown, Danny. <laughs> we even get some man ass from Bud for the ladies. <laughs> Take that for what it's worth. It was hairy. <laughs> Damn 4K. <laughs> I didn't I didn't <laughs> want this. <laughs> I do like when we get to watch Michael Myers kill Bud in the background while Karen remains oblivious to what's happening right behind her. And then we get... Yeah, I think, I think if this... I think one thing this movie does right is kind of going unique with the kills. Like, yeah, I love Bud getting killed in the background. That's so great, even though he kind of gets choked out a little too quick. <laughs> or maybe his neck got broken. But it looked like he got choked. Yeah, I think that looks cool. I love when you're looking at it through that glass that you can't see through with perfect clarity, but you know what's happening, you know? And then we get some vintage Michael Myers playfulness 
Stuff that was really lost in the later movies where he puts his hand on Karen's shoulder and pretends to be Bud. And she'd be sucking on those dirty ass fingers, dude. This got to be. I don't know why, but I was like, ew, like <laughs> he's probably got like dog shit and blood <laughs> all over his hands by now. That's a murderer's hand. He ate a dead dog in the last one, so there's definitely yeah. dog shit on that hand. <laughs> <laughs> there's rabies on it, probably. Oh man. I don't know how she didn't recoil from the smell. <laughs> hey, we all got our kinks, dude. <laughs> it's not long before that jig is up though and Michael delivers this face dunking drowning slash scalding death to Karen and we get one last look at those boobies before he just tosses her aside and that was a pretty damn good scene <laughs> you know what it was nice to see Bud just get it you know <laughs> oh yeah definitely you know what isn't a good scene though Probably the worst scene in the entire franchise. The bit where Loomis and the deputy go to investigate the break-in at the school. That's just super cringe. I don't like this scene. You know, they find blood on a desk. A knife stabbed into a children's drawing of a family. Right into the sister, of course. And then the word yeah. Sawin written on the whiteboard like what the fuck yeah like i said earlier like i love how much more loomis we get in this film but at the same time it's all pretty i love how much more loomis we get in this film but at the same time it really doesn't go anywhere and then it's like okay how do we get loomis over to the hospital i don't know Lori's a sister <laughs> and, and the the file was locked away and loomis never saw it it's like huh okay <laughs> I like when Loomis is like, you can't order me out of here. And they're like, but the governor can. It's like, this is how serious shit's going down. Like, even Loomis is like, oh, the governor. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All I'll say about that scene in the school is, in my personal headcanon, that's just some Halloween prank that has nothing to do with Michael Myers. Cause yeah, I, that's how I took it, too. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine any scenario where... Michael Myers was like, oh, but wait, let me go to the school and do all this shit. Hey, Ray, I'm in chalk. <laughs> you know, there's one other thing I will complain about in this movie. And that's an overabundance of off-screen kills. And I know it's only two kills. Same. I was going to bring the same thing up. But yeah, there's like a lot of off-screen kills. Well, there's two. But two is one too many. You know what I mean? Like, that's... Yeah. It feels like more when there's two. <laughs> right. There, there should be a one off-screen kill min maximum. Right? Definitely. Our first off-screen kill is revealed to us when Nurse Janet goes to find Dr. Mixter after Lori falls into a coma or some shit. And Janet finds Dr. Mixter with a needle in his eyeball. But we do get the great mask appearing out of darkness gag here behind Janet. And then she gets it with an air bubble injection into the temple. And I'm sorry, but I'm just a sucker for a good air bubble syringe kill. Uh, you know, <laughs> we saw it in The Dentist and I told you I loved it. And I do. I just 
you can't go wrong with it, especially in a hospital setting. It just works. Yeah, it's great. And uh, it gets up close and personal, so that's why it works so well here. <laughs> yeah, our cast is dwindling down pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> we even get the old... We even get to see Michael get fooled by the old pillows under the blanket to represent a body trick. <laughs> and we just... I love how he just goes for it, just stabbing the pillows, and it's like... <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> the mask frowned. <laughs> so Lori's up and about, wandering the halls of the hospital. We've got Jimmy wandering about, along with this other nurse named Jill. And they're all just wandering around this desolate hospital while Dr. Loomis is being escorted from Haddonfield on governor's order by some associate of his, along with a U.S. Marshal. And a bit later, Jimmy stumbles upon our second off-screen kill, which is the head nurse, Miss Alves. And she's laying on the operating table in the minor surgery room. And she's seemingly been strangled with her own stethoscope. But then Michael has rigged up some tubing and a needle to literally drain the blood out of Miss Alves. And this is a perfect example of why it's sometimes a benefit to watch these movies with a childlike mind, because this does not make a lick of sense, but it's cool as fuck. <laughs> so just enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Michael would even know where to begin with this kill. I do like seeing Jimmy slip in the pool of blood he's surrounded by when he panics, <laughs> just proving that he may look a bit like Sigourney Weaver, but Sigourney Weaver, he is not. <laughs> nice little bit of slapstick in our horror sequel. Always welcomed. <laughs> now, if you want to talk about a pretty damn cool kill, after Nurse Jill discovers all of the vehicles have been stabbed, after Nurse Jill discovers that all of the vehicles have been sabotaged, she finds Lori wandering the halls, and she calls out to her. But Lori's drugged up and totally out of it. And we get this great blurry POV shot as Michael sneaks up behind Jill and he rams a scalpel in her back and lifts her up in the air and just holds her there. And there's this great bit with her shoes falling off before he just discards her. And just like that, the nightmare isn't over and the chase is back on. And it's time for some more Lori versus Michael. Which really amounts to an extended chase sequence through the hospital that includes a great bit of slow stalking Michael approaching very slowly closing elevator doors and still managing not to get in there. I mean, they milk that tension for a little too much, don't you think? Yeah, it's that's what I'm talking about. It just a lot of this film feels a little uninspired, but I definitely understand why that's the case i could have sworn that there was a lot more of michael and laurie alone in a hospital but there's really not that much and laurie eventually makes it outside and hides in one of the cars so the only piece of the puzzle really missing is dr loomis so we join him as his associate informs him that there was some hidden document that's just been unsealed and this reveals that Lori is Michael's sister. 
And with that information, Dr. Loomis forces the marshal to take him to the hospital at gunpoint. And I thought we could just talk a bit about Donald Pleasance in this returning role as Dr. Samuel Loomis here. Because just last week, we talked about the original Evil Dead, and we discussed how Ash is the greatest male protagonist in horror history. But Dr. Loomis is not far behind when I really think about it. He's basically the Van Helsing of 80s horror. (laughs) It's a good way to put it. But I think Loomis has this uh, chaotic personality to him where it makes you question his motives and what he does. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's a great performance. I love watching a great actor work their craft in a film like this. And it shines so bright when you can tell that the actor doesn't approach the material like it's something beneath them. And when you really think about it, Donald Pleasance as Dr. Loomis is one of the greatest weapons in the arsenal of this franchise because his performances just lend a certain legitimacy to some of the ideas that would have otherwise pushed this franchise off the rails. Like, don't get me wrong. They still come dangerously close to derailing in films that he's in. But there's just no better glue (laughs) to hold the ship together than Dr. Loomis in this first timeline, I guess you would call it. (laughs) And now, you know? Right. Yeah, totally. Like, without him, I think this movie and anything after would have just fallen apart. So, yeah, Donald Pleasance does a fantastic job as Dr. Loomis for sure. So after Jimmy ruins Lori's hiding spot, she's trying to make her way back to the hospital and she notices Dr. Loomis arrive and she's crawling to the door and she's trying to call out to him, but she misses him. And I just got to say that hospital gown sure shows off Jamie Lee's cake. I can see why uh, Michael Myers has been chasing that girl through multiple timelines. (laughs) Not sure about that wig, though. (laughs) That was a bit rough. Mm -hmm. But Michael's there, stalking Lori again, and she's banging on the door to the hospital, and she's banging on the door to the hospital, and Loomis comes to the rescue and lets her in. But then we get the epic bit where Michael Myers approaches the glass door and just powers his way through the damn glass. Like, did you see that one coming? Because that's pretty fucking cool. It's great. Michael's just the unstoppable force (laughs) going through glass like it's nothing. Yeah, he just shatters that glass, keeps pursuing him, and then eats six more rounds from Dr. Loomis. Twelve times. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't have the same ring to it. (laughs) Dr. Loomis sends the associate outside the radio for help and we get to watch this dipshit u.s marshal basically get himself killed but what an awesome bit again when michael flips him over and just slices his throat and the way he turns to look at loomis and lori mid throat slice before rising up and continuing his pursuit that's just masked killer perfection dude Totally. I will say, too, the this track on the soundtrack that they use for the stalking sequences in Halloween 2, 
is probably my favorite track out of the whole franchise. I think it's called The Shape Stalks Again, and it's just a banger. Like, the way they've added the big drums to it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I thought the soundtrack was really good and how it kind of took the original as inspiration but added on to it. Like, I love how the main theme is played with more of a synthesizer now and not the original piano. It just gives it a different feeling. Yeah, the Halloween soundtracks never stray too far from the original, and why would you? But the good ones always add something that just boosts it a little more. Maybe not the guitar whales in Halloween 6, but (laughs) it's still rocking here, that's for sure. Regardless, though, here we are, the finale of Halloween 2, and Dr. Loomis and Lori hide in the major surgery room as Michael's slowly hunting them down. Loomis gives a gun to Lori and then attempts to confront Michael, but immediately gets shanked in the process. And then Michael's approaching a terrified Lori. And he pauses when she calls out his name, but he quickly continues to stalk towards her, and she winds up putting two rounds into his face, and we see blood just pouring from the eye holes of the mask, as a now blinded Michael Myers swings the scalpel aimlessly around this room. And then Loomis begins to flood the room with oxygen to confuse and distract Michael, and give Lori an opportunity to escape. And then we witness just how devoted to making sure Michael is never released Dr. Loomis truly is as he sacrifices himself to blow the both of them to smithereens. But Michael isn't quite blown to smithereens because Lori watches him emerge from the flames in full stride despite being completely engulfed in flames himself. But this will be the end of Michael Myers. For now. But don't worry, they'll all be back, (laughs) won't they? (laughs) It'll never end. (laughs) But for now, for Lori, the night has ended, and we see her her whisked away in an ambulance to the tune of Mr. Sandman. And that's the end of our movie. But like I said, do not worry, because they'll all be back many, (laughs) many times. So, Danny, you've seen the original and the David Gordon Green trilogy, most of which we've discussed in one form or another, and it's been a mixed bag for you, but what are your thoughts on this, the original sequel to Halloween? You know, even though Halloween 2 left me a little disappointed with how much I really love the original film, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that opinion, but... At the same time, like, I find it hard to truly hate, like, you know, put this on in October, put it on during Halloween, and I think you'll have a good time. Like, that's the thing about these movies is, like, so rarely do you have a horror movie that captures Halloween in itself, you know, the holiday that we all love. And so I can't really hate on it too much and i'm kind of excited just to see where the rest of the series goes and all the diverging timelines and how messy this series gets so i'm i'm down for the ride i guess (laughs) 
right on because I am definitely looking forward to many more Halloween specials covering the mixed bag that is this franchise. Which I guess the mixed bag does start here, but I love this movie. I really do. It's. I think it's just really fun to watch. Like, yeah, it's messy, but it's just a great slasher film. And like any good slasher film, there's plenty of kills. So, what's your favorite, Danny? I can't not go with this, but I love Ben Tramer's fiery death. Wow. So, you're choosing a non Michael Myers kill. This kill made me fucking laugh (laughs) (laughs) just the way he's walking all goofy (laughs) away from Loomis as they're shouting at him and then that police car just comes out of nowhere and just annihilates him and then you get this insane explosion as Ben Tramer's pinned between this van and the cop car and then we just sit on him burning to a crisp as everyone's like was that michael i guess it was i don't know (laughs) as this poor kid is just dying it was just like unintentionally hilarious and i loved every minute of it (laughs) you're so wrong for that (laughs) (laughs) hey ben tramer was right to run dude because lewis was gonna shoot him like i love how bracken's having to fight the gun out of his hand and I just love they had to do Ben Tramer up looking like Michael with the goofy ass, not Michael Myers mask with the silver <laughs> stuck up hair. Like, it's just so funny. <laughs> oh, man. Good choice. Good choice. I'll give it to you. Happy Halloween. Uh. <laughs> he came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> get me a get a dentist to meet me there in half an hour. <laughs> that teeth scraping was nasty. That charred corpse, that was some good special effects. That was good. That was good. Very, uh, it's not something you really think about, but yeah, that's pretty gruesome stuff. Well, Sean, I know you're not going to pick Ben Tramer, but what's your favorite kill in Halloween 2? Believe it or not, Ben Tramer. No, I'm just (laughs) kidding. But, uh, you know what? We are driving mutants over here at Fraternity, and the last drive-in is a big inspiration for this podcast. Like, we wouldn't be doing this if it weren't for the last drive-in. So, naturally, I love drive-in cinema. And the double kill that interrupts sexy time in the hot tub is just some perfect slasher drive-in cinema. As drive-in mutants, we believe in blood, breasts, and beasts. And this scene gives us all of that. We've got the early exploits of one of the most legendary on-screen cinematic beasts in Michael Myers. First by strangling one of the most beloved, unlikable characters in the franchise in the background. And I'm really a sucker for the gag where someone gets murdered in the background of a scene while someone else remains oblivious in the foreground. That always works for me. And that somebody in the foreground is Pamela Susan Shoup, who delivers us the best breasts in the franchise. I don't remember if there's any nudity in Season of the Witch, but I'm pretty sure this is the last pair of breasts we get until the Rob Zombie films. And that's 20 years from now, so 
What a pair to go out on, though, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't think Nurse Karen's breasts garner the same amount of fan acclaim as someone like Linnea Quigley's or Debbie Sue Voorhees in Friday the 13th Part 5 gets a lot of acclaim for her breasts, but Nurse Karen's are definitely worthy of the same amount of acclaim. And we're giving it to her right here and right now. And lastly, you might ask me, but where's the blood? And that's a fair question, but I'm going to go out on a... All the blood's in Sean's pee-pee right now. (laughs) I'm going to go out on what I feel is a pretty stable limb and say that her face being scalded off definitely counts as blood, all right? It gave you a stable limb. (laughs) (laughs) Look, it's just a really fun, over-the-top, ridiculous slasher kill scene. And I love it. You know I love it. Right on. If it weren't for Ben Tramer, this would have been my kill pick. (laughs) Yeah, at least I didn't get my rocks off to the poor, innocent (laughs) 17-year-old getting killed. Burned alive. You sick bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty, man don't tell me ben tramer's your favorite scene too (laughs) (laughs) if only but my favorite scene i think i gotta go with the finale here let me go ahead and interrupt you and just say it's the finale for me too so let's hear it let's discuss it well i think it's just great to finally have loomis and lori together again and he even has that little moment where he's like I'm sorry I left you alone, you know, like, it's just meaningful. And then Lori finally taking a shot at Michael, shooting him in the eyes. And then you just got to love Michael aimlessly swinging as he's trying to hit anybody, either one of them. And then that explosion, man. And then you get that final tease as Michael is walking through the flames but then finally falls, and you get that wonderful shot of the mask burning up. It's just uh, masterful here. Yeah, if there's one area where this movie had to over-deliver, it's these final moments, right? And I think they achieve it. Like, they go way bigger than the first movie. And despite all the faults you've already mentioned or pointed out how this was a mixed bag for you, I think the biggest reason that this particular movie is so cherished is because you can't help but walk out of the movie satisfied after this finale. Cause it is just so it, like you said, it's so masterful. Some of the best masked killer performances ever on screen, just all reaching its pinnacle in this moment. Like you have, how do you not love the bit where Laurie calls out to Michael and he pauses, he lowers his arm, tilts his head, but then just goes right back to stalking her. And we can't make a read on what he's feeling in that moment. Like, is it confusion or maybe curiosity? But it doesn't matter because for all intents and purposes, this is the Jaws shark and he's going to fucking come kill you. But then, yeah, you get the iconic moment of Lori shooting the shape in the eyes. The moment that blood begins to weep out of the mask, that image just towers over just about anything else that this franchise has to offer. 
Like, that's a money shot if I've ever seen one, right? And then, totally. And then watching Loomis go full Ahab, blowing himself up with his life's work and obsession, just going up in flames with Michael in that glorious explosion, and then having Michael come out of the flames totally engulfed. I've complained before on the show how full body burns in horror films aren't my favorite, especially in the 80s like this, because they're never quite where they need to be to look good. But who the fuck cares? Because this moment is so awesome, right? Yeah, just a balls to the wall epic finale. If there was never any more Halloween films, how could you not be satisfied with this ending? Well, man, I think we pretty much said it all about Halloween too. But yeah, go check this movie out if you haven't. It's, uh, you'll have a fun time, I think. Watch it again if you have. We know plenty of you are. <laughs> and you probably don't need us to tell you. Well, I gotta say, man, I enjoyed talking Halloween 2 with you. Looking forward to getting down with some Halloween festivities after this. You got any plans for Halloween? Probably just gonna take it easy, chill outside, give some kids some candy, do a little bit of drinking. (laughs) Right on, man. Well, I will be at the cinema catching Dawn of the Dead 3D, and I'm gonna go ahead and say it now, but that's gonna be one of the best Halloweens of my life. So (laughs) whatever you're doing out there, we hope you enjoy it. We hope you enjoyed the show. And just remember that we do this all year round. So be sure to join us in two weeks when we're flipping the script for the first time this year. And Danny's going to bring a movie to me and we can't wait to share it with you. So happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Eat some candy. Take a drink. We're your brothers here at Fraternity. We hope you have a wonderful time. Good night, everybody. 